Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. There are a few different topics. It's going to be kind of a rapid-fire show today that we're going to be uh, covering. Topic number one, and I, I think you're going to be surprised on some of the answers that we have. Will God give you more than you can handle? That's going to be one topic for today's show. Another topic is going to be, does God's will always happen? And the answers to those two questions are going to be very important for the days ahead. And then a very big subject we're going to be ending with today, and it's why I believe that Jesus comes back sometime in the middle of the tribulation, likely at the blowing of the seventh final trumpet, which means we need to buckle up because we're going to have to be going through a lot. Before I get into the main content of today's program, I just wanted to take two minutes because it really is, um, it's a day of celebration for us here at the Zach Drew Show and IGBY International Ministries. We started this program two years ago this week. So we're celebrating our, our, our second year anniversary uh, in ministry. Now, now Andrew and Bellers and I, we've been in ministry uh, many years. Um, I was with, you know, as you know, Pastor Jim Baker for over seven and a half years, and I served at True News and then here, but we are celebrating two years. It's absolutely incredible to see what the Lord has done. Um, in that period, the show has been viewed, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, or Roku through the PTL television network, over 375,000 times, which is absolutely phenomenal. And we celebrate that fact. And, I, and honestly, we're celebrating. I'm so grateful. And I just don't think we've seen anything yet. I believe that this, I believe that the Lord is going to bless this show to where it truly goes all around the world. We, as you know, we just signed a, a Comcast cable contract that's going to put us in millions and millions of homes. But before that, when we were just a, simply an internet show these last two years, it's an incredible thing that over 375,000 times this show has been viewed. And the Lord's blessed it. I remember whenever Andrew and I, we started in the very first television studio, you know, we stood up the whole time. We had just animals behind us. I mean, it just, it was, it was a start. And don't despise small beginnings. And then we moved to The Den, and it was, you know, a, a, a good show, but it was just a single-shot camera from a little uh, DSLR Canon. And, and now the Lord has just done such an amazing thing, and we're here now with a fully functional television studio going, uh, you know, in, in, in millions of homes through Comcast Cable now. It just hasn't been an incredible thing. You know, and every time someone tunes into this show, they're going to hear world events. They're going to hear world events and news from a biblical perspective. And at the end of almost every show, what, what, what happens for those that know? It, it, it's, it's a plea, a plea to get your heart right with Jesus, to repent of your sins and to call upon the name of Jesus and to also get into your word. This is a time of celebration 
here today. And if you want to become a partner with us, please do that. Become a monthly recurring partner. Just go to ZachDrewShow.com and click the donate button to continue this message. We'll be right back. Did you know that God will give you more than you can handle? And I know that you're saying that you have a verse. And let me go ahead and just say what that verse is real quick before I even continue. The verse that you're saying right now in your head, if you're disagreeing with me, that God will in fact give you more than you can handle in life, you're going to be quoting a scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Understand that that verse is about sin and temptation. That whenever you are presented with the opportunity to sin, whatever, whatever that sin is, you can fill in the blank, that the Lord will always offer you a way out from that temptation, from that sin. But that verse has absolutely nothing to do with in life you experiencing things that you just cannot handle. And you can fill in the blank with that. Many of you have experienced some type of catastrophe in life that just completely knocked you off your little throne. And I, and I don't say that lightly and I don't say that condescendingly. But whether it's a, a, an unexpected death or, 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 or a divorce or, uh, you know, even a, a, a layoff, total job security, providing for your family, it's gone. But you see, so many times in the church, we have always been taught whenever going through something, hey, just remember, you can get through this. God will never give you more than what you can handle. And that is, and I just, I want to tackle that head on. Because it's not true. And so many Christians heading into the end times are going to be facing situations and circumstances that they cannot handle. You see, God will give you more than you can handle so that you give that situation to the one who can handle it. Think about that. Listen, I don't even want to think of the thought. I just a horrific thought. And I know that several of you have dealt with this. The thought of losing a child. I have two, I have two kids. I have a sweet, sweet little daughter and a, and a newborn baby boy. Just the thought of losing them is just absolutely gut-wrenching. I can't even imagine. I can't even go there in my mind. And yet so many of you have dealt with things like that in life. Just things that totally caught you unaware. And you can't handle it. I couldn't handle it. But Jesus can handle it. When that burden becomes too great, too heavy, you should know that that burden wasn't meant for you. That burden was meant for Christ. He will carry that burden for you. You see, there are certain things in the church that we've been taught that are detrimental to our faith. So many people have, have, have come to a place where they've walked away from their faith because they were always taught things like, God will never give you more than you can handle. 
So when they find themselves in a situation that they cannot handle, what do they say? God's not real. But God is real. It's just that the preacher was preaching a false doctrine. You know, another thing that in the end times, it's going to give people a way out to be lazy because they've been taught this. If it's God's will, it will happen. That's not true. That's not true. God's will does not always happen. You see, God has two different types of will throughout Scripture. He has the type of will that no man can come against. Things that you can't pray away, like things that are already being recorded, in, that have already been recorded in the book of Revelation that are going to come about. That is his perfect will, like a mighty rushing river that nobody can come against. Other things that will for sure take place according to God's will is heaven being forever, hell being forever. Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. Nobody can change those facts. You see, but there is a will that he has for our lives too. That because of free will that he's given mankind, man can make his own decisions. God has a mighty rushing river that no one can come against. But then the, the will for our lives is like a stream. We can alter it and change it. Now, the Lord will ultimately receive glory in all things. But you can't tell me that it's ever God's will for a child to be aborted or sex trafficked. So then how can you believe things like, if it's God's will, it'll be meant to happen? I've heard horrific scenarios of people dying and then other Christians coming to, you know, help them out during that time, make, say nice words to make them feel better and say, well, we just not, must not understand. But just remember that if, if it happened, it must be God's will. That's totally and ridiculously false. You know, in James chapter 2, verse 14 through 17, it says this. What does it profit, my brothers, if a man says he has faith but has no works? Can faith save him? Can that such faith even save him? If a brother or sister is naked and lacking daily food and, and no one says to them, depart in peace, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, we be warmed and, and filled, and yet you give them nothing that the body needs, what does it profit? And here it is, verse 17. So faith by itself, if it is, has no works, is dead. You see, you can pray all you want, that the Lord's perfect will will happen in your life. But if you don't, and this isn't about, I'm not talking about salvation here. Salvation is a free gift that no man can earn and it's not by works. I'm talking about the will of God for your life. The things that he would have you to do whenever he's already in your heart, he's already your Lord and master. Those things aren't just going to jump out and find you. You've got to apply faith with those works. I once had a friend who told me that he wanted, he felt called of God to be on the mission field in Africa. And I said, well, what are you doing now to prepare for that? And he said, nothing. He goes, it, 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 God called me. It's the Lord's will. It's going to happen. I said, so you're, you're not 
you're not co-laboring with Christ here. You're not providing anything for him to work with here. No, I'm not. Because I believe that the Lord will make it happen. I said, how? How will that ma- the Lord make it happen? He goes, I don't know. He goes, maybe one day someone will just knock on my door and say, hey, I just feel called of God that you're supposed to be on the mission field. Will you join my mission team? Now, I'm not saying that God can't do that because God can do anything. But the vast, overwhelmingly, majority of the time, he will not do that because you've got to provide works with your faith. I think, I, I, I got a message um, in the last, it would have been in the last two months. This man was asking me to pray for him. And my heart broke when I read it because he's been taught such foolish doctrine that the Lord's will, no matter what, is going to happen in his life. I believe him and his wife were in like their late 20s or something like that. And he said he had felt a calling to preach the gospel, to not, to not deal with the business world any longer, but, to, but he felt a calling to preach the gospel. And he went to a service, and there was a, there was a man, a traveling speaker, that morning at the service, and he didn't know them. And the man walked up to him and said, I feel like the Lord is calling you to, the, to preach the gospel. And he said in his message that he took it as a complete and total confirmation. And then he said, and I'm still trusting the Lord that that's going to happen because that was almost 40 years ago. And I thought to myself, you missed it. Not that God can't redeem the time you have left, but you missed it. You didn't act. You were called to preach in your 20s to leave that business job. It was confirmed by a man that doesn't even know you. And yet because you're just waiting for the most crazy supernatural thing to happen, how many times does the Lord have to tell you something before you act? And if you're watching this program today, and I don't even know, I can't remember if the guy watches my program or not, just know that the Lord can redeem the time that you have left. And I feel sorry that this type of doctrine has been allowed from the pulpit. So yes, God will give you more than you can handle. And then you give it to him because he can handle it. And God's will does not always happen. His rushing will always happens. But the will for your life, it's a, that's going to be up to you too. You are going to have to make the right decisions. There are so many things like that in life that we've been taught and believe, and we have no idea that we are believing in something that is totally false. I'm sure I have many of those things right now. We all have those things. We, we, we don't understand that there is a, there will always be a level of deception uh, regarding our lives until we get to heaven into the perfect, into the perfect world with Jesus. We believe things right now that are false and we don't, we don't know that they're false. The same thing goes with pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation and post-tribulation. There are many People that are going to be caught unaware by the events that are going to strike the earth because they believe 
in what they refer to as a pre-tribulation rapture doctrine. Even though the majority of those people I talk to, if I say, you know, where's the rapture with in pre-tribulation, they can't even tell me what their own doctrine says. So many in the evangelical world, they just blindly believe these things. Now, I will say that according to the pre-tribulation doctrine, they believe that Jesus comes back, raptures the people before anything bad hits the earth in Revelation chapter 4. Even though most of them can't tell me it's Revelation chapter 4. And I, and I just don't believe it. You see, just so you know, we have been called to be like the Bereans of Acts chapter 17, <clears throat> where we, we can take what is being said, but then go back to the Word to see if what's being said is real, is real, and it's, and it's true. You see, everybody in the evangelical world either believes in a pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation rapture. Now, just so you know, if you're like, what in the world are you talking about, you know, and, and, and you haven't studied the book of Revelation at all, these are three different views according to the end times, because we all agree that Jesus is going to come back <clears throat> and establish his kingdom on earth. But you see, in the book of Revelation, there are three sets of judge judgments. There are the sealed judgments, which are, there are seven, and they are, they shake the world. They rattle the world. And many of you watching, you do know those things. And the next seven judgments are the trumpet judgments. And the final judgments are the bowl judgments. They are three sections of seven for 21 judgments. And at some point in time, the point of debate is this. When does Jesus come back? Does he come back before the very first judgment, the very first sealed judgment? Does he come back somewhere in the middle? Somewhere at the end, see that's either pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-tribulation rapture theorist, uh, uh, theories. And this is going to determine your eschatology. Uh, and so why am I doing this show today? It's going to bring clarity to why we talk about the things we talk about. I believe that we will go through a portion of the book of Revelation. Now, I don't know exactly... <clears throat> when exactly the, the Lord's going to come back. But I believe according to the entire testament of scripture that Jesus returns at the final trumpet. At the final trumpet. So go into the book of Revelation and find the final trumpet. You're going to realize that that's 14 judgments in. That's going through the six seal judgments that's going to rattle the world. And the seven trumpet judgments. <clears throat> and I believe we're out of here. I do not believe the body of Christ experienced the bull judgments. Now, whether you agree with me on any of this or not, understand first and foremost that none of this is an issue of salvation. So today, I'm going to spend just the next few minutes. This is kind of been a rap this is a rapid fire show. Looking at Revelation chapter 10. And I don't want to just give you my opinions on why I believe Jesus Christ comes back with the seventh trumpet, but show you from scripture. Let's open up our words together. The big verse we're building up to is Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. But let's start at verse 1. I saw still another, which means different, mighty angel. Now, angel in the Greek means messenger or can even mean pa pastor. So I saw another messenger coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, a rainbow on his head, his face was like the sun, and his feet were like pillars of fire. Now, after you dissect the clues here of the messenger having the cloud, rainbow, face like the sun, feet of pillars, whenever you dissect the clues here and you match them up with 
Jesus in the Old Testament, this man here is clearly Jesus. Now, once again, if you don't believe this man is Jesus here, which I do believe it is, I believe it is Jesus, it won't, um, it won't affect the rest of the passage. So that's just, let's just keep going. He had a little book or scroll in his hand. Uh, he had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. This illustrates total dominion. We know that Jesus and the Father have total dominion. And cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. The angel, which is the messenger of God here, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be time no longer or delay no longer. And then here's where it says in Revelation chapter 10, verse seven. This is so important. You know, even if you want to just read it several times over and think about what each of these words could mean. It is so paramount to the end times. But in the days when the seventh angel, when he is about to sound the mystery not a mystery. The mystery of God will be finished. Finished. Complete. Done. The mystery of God will be finished as he declared to his prophets. You know, here's another, here's another translation of that same verse. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the six angels have already sounded their trumpet. We've went through at this point the seven seal judgments and all six trumpet judgments. At the seventh trumpet judgment, it says this, but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. So what is the mystery? Not a mystery, the mystery. The mystery of God is going to be accomplished right at the blowing of the seventh final trumpet. Well, let's take a look at the mysteries. First Corinthians 15, 51 through 53. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. Let's look at uh, Revelation, or excuse me, Mark chapter 4, verse 11. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Romans chapter 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret since the world began. Some of you are already figuring out what the mystery was. Ephesians 6, 19. And for me, that utterance, here it is, may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of 
the gospel. You see, the mystery was the gospel. So now go back and read Revelation 10, 7. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished. So it's saying the mystery, which is the gospel, will be accomplished. So the gospel will be accomplished, which is the mystery of God, will be accomplished at the blowing of the seventh trumpet. So what is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus. And it's not just Jesus as a man, but it's, you know, if, if Jesus didn't die on the cross, then this would be, which he obviously did. He's the son of God. He died on the cross for our sins. But if he just walked the earth and he was a good prophet, you know, like the, like the Quran says, this would have no value. But no, it's, it's Jesus and what he did and what he accomplished and the result of what Jesus did on the cross, dying for you and I, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, repent of our sins, plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, and we're made new. We are made white as snow. Our sin is gone before us, and we stand righteous before the Father, not because of anything you did, but because of everything Christ did. The entire message of Jesus coming was because of, was for what? Why? to reconcile you back to God. To reconcile you back to God. So the gospel, the mystery of God, the gospel, will be finished. What does it mean to be finished? It means the entire reconciliation process. Because it's not done yet. We're still here on earth. The, his kingdom hasn't come. We're not dwelling in the eternal realm of the new heavens and new earth for all of eternity yet. That process is still taking place, but it will be finished at the blowing of the seventh trumpet. The reconciliation process between God and man through Christ Jesus will be done, finished at the blowing of the seventh trumpet. You see, this was God's plan from the very beginning. And I just have, I'm gonna do this very quickly. Jesus was the plan for reconciliation from the beginning. The plan for reconciliation was actually encoded behind the genealogy of Genesis chapter 5. For those of you that have never heard this, this is going to be incredible. He has always been the ultimate mystery from God. Jesus has. Listen to this. In Genesis chapter 5, look it up. There's a genealogy of 10 names. Those names, in order from 1 to 10, are Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. If you look up what, and those are the first 10 men. If you look up those names in the original Hebrew of the Old Testament, you'll find that the translation of these 10 names is as follows, as followed. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Kenan means sorrow. Mahalel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death shall bring. Lamech means the despairing. This is all from the original Hebrew. And Noah means rest or comfort. So if you read those in order, one through 10, the entire message of the gospel and reconciliation 
was encoded behind a genealogy all the way back in Genesis chapter 5. Because if you read those names in order, it says man was appointed mortal sorrow. That's death. That's you and I because of sin. So man was appointed mortal sorrow. But the blessed God, that's Jesus, shall come down teaching his death shall bring the despairing rest or comfort. The entire message of the gospel encoded thousands of years before Jesus was on the scene. This has always been the mystery of God that is accomplished at the blowing of the final trumpet in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7.